This episode is brought to you by Sticks, the new kids' play toy, brought to you by Trees and the Woods. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. We are on location in Providence, Rhode Island, in Robin Robinson's She Shed. So, we <laughs> so, so I guess uh, with that, you don't really need much of an introduction. Robin, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on and doing this. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I know this is a little bit out of the ordinary uh, for me, just because uh, you were Kevin's wife, obviously, um, but... Over the last couple days, week I mean, years that I've known you, you, you just always have the stories yourself. You have a different perspective, which I always thought was pretty cool to get some of those stories out of you just to hear a different perspective of not necessarily Kevin, but your life being involved with Kevin. Not necessarily you with him, but just the whole package, I guess. So – did you have any idea what you were getting yourself into when you met Kev? Uh, this is a direct quote, but when I first started dating Kevin, I think it was probably the f- first night or two that we had gone out, and y- we instantly knew that you know this was the- he was the one. He instantly knew I was the one, uh, and he literally was like, "Okay, you ready for this? Like, fasten your seatbelt, hold on tight. <laughs> Here we go. It's going to be a wild ride." And he certainly meant it. I can I I don't know if how accurate that quote actually is, but I can see him saying that almost exact thing. Oh yeah, I think he almost like probably made the sign of like fasten your seatbelt. Like, here we go. It's going to be a wild ride. And you know, Kevin and I obviously came from very different. Um, actually not very different. We're both from East Providence, Rhode Island. So we knew each other all, you know, through the years, but he had gone in and done his thing and I was doing something almost equally busy. And so when we did first start dating and he's like, you know, hold on tight. I was thinking to myself, you know, hold on tight. Like I've been, you know, traveling the country doing this, doing that, but he really meant it. He was literally in overdrive from morning till night. What a wild ride it must have been just kind of like hanging onto his coattails and just go, being drugged along around the world all it, over the place. Yeah, it's true. And it was really like from minute one. Like, uh, again, I remember going to the very first X Games in Newport at Fort Adams, I think. And, you know, that was back in 95, I think. And I remember knowing of Kevin, he was a really good friend of my sister's. So I've. I just always knew of him. He would come, you know, he and my sister would hang out every Thursday night. They went and did karaoke, obviously. And obviously. <laughs> obviously. And so I remember. You had the voice of an angel. <laughs> A cowboy angel. <laughs> I'll start with another really funny direct quote. I remember one time going out to dinner or something and there was karaoke. Dennis McCoy was there. And Kevin gets up and sings this, you know, whatever Garth Brooks song or this like belts out this country song. And anytime he sang, people would be like, what, where the heck did that come from? And he gets back, he sings this, this song, sits back down. Dennis is like, how are you so good at something that sucks so bad? (laughs) (laughs) It was the funniest thing. So dry. How are you so good at something that sucks so bad? (laughs) Well, he was great at it. I mean, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to actually make a career out of singing, too, if I I remember correctly. Yeah. No, you're remembering very correctly. Um, At one point, I guess it must have been 10, 12 years ago. I don't know how the relationship even started, but he managed to meet someone that worked for Capitol Records out of Nashville. And he was doing a bunch with whoever, whatever this company was or this group was. Um, And... 
he, uh, yeah, that he got called down for like a live, he, you know, a live audition. And he went and he sat and sang for the president of Capitol Records down in Nashville. They thought he was great. Um, you know, obviously he had a really great voice. But they wanted him to sort of get started on the fair scene. And he's like, I have already done that. I literally cannot start from scratch going from fair to fair. He's like, I put my time in already. I cannot do that. And they were kind of like, you know, that's how this business kind of gets you going. That's how it works. That's how you get your name out there. kind of how you get yourself going. And he was literally like, I am not doing fair shows. Like, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. I'm not going through it again. It's a different, it's a whole different world, I'm sure, doing the singing. But still, he knows the routine. So it's not like he knew what he would have been getting himself into. And he, I think he probably made a good decision by backing out. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have been sleeping under a ramp in the back of the trailer. But uh, yeah, I think he just couldn't handle like the thought of doing fair shows. And I mean, that's a long, you're busy, you're, you know, you're gone for a long time. Totally. But at that time we had kids. So totally. He's preoccupied. <laughs> it's like me starting my, my uh, career in stand up comedy. Now it's, it would be a little bit more difficult with the kids yeah. and things like that. And at some point us wives actually do kind of start rolling our eyes behind the scenes. Like, all right, come on now. <laughs> like, I'm sure I, I can hear <laughs> Kelly's eyes rolling over the phone. I'm sometimes. sure you can. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like I said, you hit the wife jackpot. It's not easy. I guess it takes, I feel it kind of takes a special person to really just completely be, and Kevin and I always said this, you know, not in a 50-50 type of relationship, but more in like a 100-100 because you really do need to stand on your own two feet. And especially when you're raising kids, you know, you guys are gone. I mean, you're gone a lot of times. I mean, you might be gone on Mother's Day and, you know, I would hear other, other moms or other wives or whatever not in this industry you know, complain that so-and-so, they had to take out the trash one week because, like, the, the husband was on a business trip. And I literally would be like, are you kidding me? You're like cracking up laughing at yes. how absurd that could be. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, you had to take out the trash one week? I'm like, I haven't even seen my husband in four months. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it definitely takes a, a special person for sure. But luckily for me, and I'm sure uh, you were kind of on the same page, Kelly kind of got it because we met at Woodward. So – Right away, she was just like thrown into the middle of of the action sports world. Just all these people coming and going, and and all that stuff. So she kind of was in boot camp, like almost. Yeah. She almost like understood. She she got it right away. Yeah. So when when we started kind of getting a little bit more serious, she's she understood when I'd have to leave for a couple of weeks or this or that or whatever because. I was doing this when I met her. I was building ramps when I met her. So it wasn't like, well, just stop because we met. It's like, well, this is what I do. You, if you want the package, you got to take the whole package. You <laughs> and can't, who wouldn't? You can't, well, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, I'll just say I'm quite a catch. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it definitely takes a special someone. And I don't think anyone could uh, could argue that fact. And I'm not blind to it. I get it that it's hard for her. It's difficult. And I'm sure Kevin did as well. Yeah. But, I mean, as much as we want you guys with us, like I want Kelly with me on all these projects as well. But I mean, she, it gets she a has lot her harder. Own, like you said, 100, 100, 100. Like she's got her own thing, her own life at home. And yes, it would be awesome for her to take a trip and come visit me every now and then. But it's sometimes just not in the cards. So, And you're also going to make money. So, you know, that's kind of what happened with Kevin and I at some point too. Once, you know, I used to go with him everywhere and it was awesome, had a great time. But then at some point or another, you're like, okay, you're going here to try to make money because this is your job. 
And, you know, if you're going and you're going to win X amount of dollars, but we're going to spend 50% of that bringing the kids and I in just so we can literally tag along and go from a hotel to a venue, a venue back to a hotel. It's not like we're vacationing. Right. What's the point? I mean, it's, it's almost more aggravation than it's worth. However, when there is an injury and you're there, at least you're there, there's nothing worse than watching your loved one get injured live on TV and you're literally, it's, it's like the Jerry Maguire movie. Like you're sitting there and you're like, Oh my God, um, can somebody what, call and tell like what's going on? He's knocked right. out unconscious right now on the bottom of the ramp and I'm home watching this with the kids that happened actually, uh, right after I had Riley, our third son, Kevin had to leave. I think all three times after having each baby, I was still in the hospital. Like he left except the first time when he, <laughs> we came home from the hospital and he's like, uh, Dave Mira was in town and he's like, do you mind if I go golfing with Dave? I was like, well, we just got home from the hospital with this brand new baby like an hour ago, but okay. <laughs> uh, uh, if you even have to ask, then you literally, <laughs> you should just go golfing. Just go golfing. <laughs> just go golfing. Have a blast. And then I think everyone like went for dinner afterwards. And I think he probably even asked like if I could meet him or something. And I'm like, no, no, because I just had a baby like yesterday. Like I'm pretty sure I'm not going <laughs> to meet you at whatever restaurant with all 15 We're not going to go partying. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Uh, God, I can't even remember what point I was making, but um, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's it's definitely interesting. And Kelly, when we were having Bo, I believe our first one, uh, it was she just saw me like stressed out and just like the whole thing. The, I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, her world, but mine as well. I'm not trying to take anything away from her because there's a lot going on that she has to deal with. But she was staying in the hospital right when Bo was born, and she's like, "Don't you're not going to sleep here in the hospital. Go get out. Go to Woodward. Go ride. Get a good night's sleep." We'll see you in the morning. And I'm like, that's awesome. You're, like, she's a better person than me. I'm like, well, wow. All right. I do <laughs> like, don't argue. Sit down. Point. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Maybe I should have taken up on some cues that she was putting down. And I was just so, ob- she was just being nice. <laughs> I was either oblivious or I was just like, well, you said it. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you. Yes. I'm going to leave. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult for sure. Like living the whole, the whole family lifestyle and us. I mean, we do have strange jobs. It's not, you definitely not- have strange jobs that are, just so normal to, to, us. to you, to me now, you know, uh, I met, I started dating Kevin in 2002, so 18 years and obviously he passed away. It's been two and a half years since he passed away, but now, you know, Kev Jr., this is what Kev Jr. does, rides bikes and, uh, so yeah, the fun continues. The fun continues <laughs> as, as begrudgingly as it may be. As I sit here and look at the new skate park in my backyard. Who put that there anyway? Oh, this guy, John, that just keeps showing up and building stuff. Stop inviting him around. <laughs> I think Evan's going to be over the moon. I'm I'm stoked to go home and, and brag to him how awesome his ramp is and and he's not here to ride it. Yet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I even, you know, I've wanted to take a picture and send it to him. I've taken a few progress photos along the way, but now that it's done and you guys were riding it last night, I'm like, I just, this would be really mean if I sent him videos of you guys riding this thing, he would be, and he's at the greatest place on earth. He's at Woodward right now. Right. And he's so excited about these new, this, these new ramps that, um, he actually, I think, would be fine if he had to leave Woodward to come home and ride. But I'm like, no. stay there. Stay there because you're your not going to be able to go back there for a whole nother year. So, um, Well, it's it's special, and I think he's going to do, do well. So how prepared are you to potentially 
I mean, you you went with Kevin throughout the, his old adventure, and now Kev Junior's adventure is just beginning. You seem to be pretty nurturing with this whole thing. You, I mean, as main, I mean, as a mom, I'm sure it's tough watching him, knowing what the potential future holds, knowing what struggles and the great great things, the positives, the pros, the cons, everything. Um, how I mean, you seem to be doing well as far as like bringing him to contests and stuff like that all over the place. I, you know, he, in so many ways, he's so similar to his dad, and in so many ways, he's completely opposite of his dad his bike riding you know their bike riding I mean that's just you know it's kind of always just been little Kev's thing he's you know just grew up obviously riding at Woodward and and riding and stuff but aside from bike riding which I actually don't think that they share similar styles or anything like that on their bikes I think again this might be insulting but I think that little Kev has a lot more like finesse and you know Kevin Big Kevin was, um, he was just like a go big, you know, I think so much of his bike riding was like, he just had that mental game. That, that was he, his style. Just go, just go, go. Yeah. And just go like, and, um, and I think his favorite thing, which he said over and over and over when people asked him like how he, how he would get over, you know, just being able to do that. And he always said like bike riding is more like being scared of doing something and being able to get like push past that fear and right. doing it anyway. Little Kev definitely has a little bit more. Um, I think a little bit more of a thought process to things than big Kev did. Although who knows? Uh, but I think Kev's got the same mental game. He's, he definitely has the same mental game, but the big difference between the two of them is Kev jr. Hates being recognized for bike riding, like hates, doesn't ever want to put stuff on Instagram. Like, you know, when I see all of these other kids, like, you know, it's like post after post after post. Kev doesn't want attention. He doesn't like attention. He, um, he's been invited to some great contests, some Hot Wheels things, uh, the Nitro Circus, the Nitro World Games. He just, he doesn't love the pressure. He loves to ride his bike, but he does not like pressure. He now, um, he's thankfully he's now sponsored by Sabrosa and Shadow, and he's super pumped. He he loves Ronnie and those guys. They've been so so good to him, and he's really proud to represent them. He's just learning to balance how, you know. I think in his eyes, he's he's very hard on himself. So in his eyes, he kind of looks at other people, and he's like, well why wouldn't they be sponsored? Like they, they shouldn't be sponsoring me. They should be sponsoring him instead. So he's still trying to balance that part of the mental game, the physical aspect of it. Like he just loves riding his bike and has fun. And anytime he puts pressure on himself, I just remind him of that. Like, you know, this is not about, this is not about money or sponsorship or what's going to happen in 10 years. Like this is literally about right now, ride your bike, have fun. And if his dad were still here, he'd be saying the exact same thing. Live in the moment. Yeah. Live in the moment. Like there's plenty of time to be stressed out in life or to feel pressure. You know, once you have a mortgage and once, you know, real right. life kicks in, there's plenty of time for stress. And I know for sure Big Kevin's dad told him that exact thing. Like there's plenty of time to be an adult. Like just have fun. Have fun while you can. I mean, I don't think it gets any simpler than that. Just you're on your bike. You're not supposed to feel the pressure when you're on your bike. When you're on your bike or involved with your bike or anything, that's the time when that's your release. That's when you're supposed to just be relaxed and chill out and do your thing because that's what that's what it's all about. It's it's your world. It's your sport. It's a very one-on-one -on -one thing. You, the bike, 
and that's it. It's not a team sport. So it's whatever you get out of it, whatever you put into it. If you want to just ride, and I think that's great. He's very, he is very humble. Uh, like he'll like what you were saying, how other people are. He sees other people as more deserving, but I mean, he's no slouch. He he knows what's up. He's he's pretty good, and he's getting really good, really quick. And obviously, with this in the back in his backyard, he's gonna just be. It's gonna shoot through through the roof. He's gonna be going to the moon real soon. Like he's a he's a monster in the making. I see. Like he follows his dad's footsteps as far as that goes. One hundred percent. Maybe styles change, but he he'll definitely whatever he wants to do with it. If he wants to keep it as fun and not a job, if he wants to just have it as a, a hobby, more or less. Great. That's what it's all about. You get out of it what you put into it. So I think it's I think it's awesome. And he's like you said, he's at Woodward right now, kind of doing his thing. He's winning big con like he won a high air contest on it, and yeah, he's still he on just, an eighteen inch bike. I yeah, mean, yeah, he just won it. a big high air contest on the quarter pipe. It went ten feet over the seven foot quarter. Yeah. In Cloud Nine, Is yeah, Cloud Nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Went ten feet, and he called me. He didn't even want to tell me. He, I was like, "Well, how's everything going?" You know, he calls me like once every other week, basically. I'm like, "How's everything going?" Well, oh, good. You know, he's a one word answer kind of kid, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I won high air yesterday." And I'm like, "Oh, I, was, I thought he meant like on the resi box, right, or whatever right. that is yep. in lot eight. And he's like, oh, no, I went 10 feet. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I, I'm trying to, like, think of how that is if you were to do be straight jumping. And then he's like, no, on the quarter. And I'm like, oh, that's – I mean, I kind of remember – it's almost like, oh, if it's a seven foot, you can kind of go seven foot over it. I don't know why I always thought that that was, like, kind of, like, how it, it worked. I guess that's ridiculous. But, yeah, I think for a little for a little guy to go 10 feet – That's was, huge. That's huge. It's pretty big, yeah. Pretty awesome. His dad would definitely be stoked on that one. Yes, for sure. For sure. For yes. sure. So uh, not to skew off topic too much, but I did kind of want to get a couple – start with some stories because I know mm-hmm. we were talking and just kind of, you know, just hanging out and you were telling some pretty fun stories from your traveling and, and stuff like that with Kev, <laughs> which it was – I mean you had me rolling with some of those stories. You're just like – because I can picture them and some of them I was even there for and I – there was a lot that – what was some of the standout, I guess – I don't know if you know if there are standout moments. Uh, I mean, everything was always an adventure with Kevin. Like his personality just was that way. And, you know, um, so there are a million stories, as you know. I would have to say, I mean, and anyone that knows Kevin knows he always had this like fighting side to him. And um, uh, well, I was going to tell a funny story about one time we he thought that we had a couple of drinks and we were in park. No, not Park City. Salt Lake City. It must have been for Dew Tour or something. We're walking down the street and it was dark and there were these three guys that were like kind of heckling him. And so he started, you know, his like chest starts up puffing out. He's like, you know, getting all mad that these people are saying something to him. And then I think he started like running at them. Like he was going to like go beat them up or something. And it was TJ Lavin. And they were like, just, <laughs> <laughs> they were messing with him. And probably TJ knows Kevin's personality and was probably like, Hey, let's, you know, egg him on or whatever. And that, that's just like a nothing kind of just funny story that just came to mind. But, um, oh yeah. I mean, there were, I, I can't even remember what you and I were talking about over the past week or so. Um, I, th- I think we were just kind of reminiscing about, a little bit about everything. And one thing when we were talking about how you were you were mentioning when the the mega ramp was coming out, when that was like the the brand new thing, and he was he was one of those guys that was one of the first people to even try it at the X Games because the first year it was more of a demo as opposed to a 
contest and he hadn't ridden anything like that. Nope. No one had ridden anything like nope. that at that point. No, like I said, I think Chad was the only one that had any experience, which I think I even said to you, which he probably hit it like one time or twice. And right. that was, you know, that like, so he had more experience than everyone else, but it was, you know, I, and again, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Um, you know, I think the closest thing that they had ridden to that was probably on the Huck Jam. There was, you know, it wasn't, 70 feet tall I think it was like 30 feet tall and it was a roll in and it went right through the center of the huge you know vert ramp which was awesome um yeah it jumped over the vert ramp I remember it that. jumped so it over the like vert ramp 40 or so foot gap the gap yeah but the roll in like it was very steep but it wasn't like as tall you know when he so then whatever that first year was that um they they had mega ramp. I just remember you know going to the contest, and at that time, we we maybe had maybe our kids were little like, but I think, you know, fear sort of evolved in me over time, and, and that was probably one of my first times that I was like, oh my god, this this is like a monster, and at the time it was outdoors, so it looks different even outdoors than it does indoors, obviously. When you walk into a, the Staples Center, which is huge, and it takes up the entire and it takes stadium. up the entire stadium, it's shocking. But it was very shocking to walk up to that thing the first time when it was at Home Depot Center or whatever in LA, and no one had ever ridden it. So, the, you know, the five guys were like, "Yeah, well," uh, or maybe it was just four. It may have just been four guys at the time. I know it was Alan Cook, I think Morgan, Kevin, and Chad. I that th- sounds about right. Yeah, I. And I remember asking Alan, how come there aren't more people riding it? And he was like, Are you cr-? he's like, no, he's like, this, <laughs> this is kind of a whole another level. This is a little insane. Um, so yeah, there were only four guys, I think in that contest. I hope I'm not forgetting someone, but, um, anyway, just remember like showing up and being like, this is a mega ramp. Like you're going to ride this thing. And it was windy. And I mean, I remember, you know, Mark Owen was standing up at the top. I said this to you the other day and they had to, there wasn't even like a roll in to get down, you know, the, the rolling part they had to peg stall. And it was basically only as wide as their, their bike was sideways. So they're standing up on top of this monstrosity peg stalling to drop in. And it was so windy that Mark was literally, you know, he had his like microphone and, you know, he had his, whatever in his ears and they were kind of signaling to him like okay whenever he's ready it's time to go and mark was holding him and if you look back at the footage mark's shirt is waving in the wind and they were you know they were on the fence they were going to call the contest because it was so windy and the guys were basically just like i think we can wait for pauses in wind if that's okay timing wise and mark you know kevin would be like all right i'm gonna go (laughs) and like the wind stops for just a second he's watching the flags blow and it was like enough to just go and i think at that moment, I just saw like a different, you know, a different love of his bike. And I feel like from that point on, it was just in his mind that he, it, it, the bigger, the better. Like, and I think he was always looking and searching for that and then had just found the perfect, that was it. He was waiting for that ramp to be invented for him. Hundred percent, yes. Hundred percent, yes. <laughs> Which is so funny because he could totally—he knew something was coming like that, and he was just like—he was that kind of guy where I can't go high enough. Yeah. What What can I do to go higher and faster and farther? And then that ramp comes along. It's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. And then, you know, he was a lot. Here's where he and Little Kev are very serious, uh, similar. You know, he was also never really happy either. Like with his, you know. He always wanted something bigger, always wanted to go higher. 
you know, he would do whatever trick and he was never fully satisfied. Like, you know, he want, you know, even when he landed his double flare, it was like, oh, finally, like after a few years, you finally landed this trick that you've been trying to land. Are you excited? He's like, yeah. Like that was like the extent of ex- excitement for something like that. His excitement was like ridiculous on so many levels. But like when it came to that, that kind of was the extent. And he'd be like, yeah, maybe next time I'll try like a no-handed, you know, double flare or something. Just never, never fully satisfied. Just always wanted more. So right. yeah, when that ramp came along, I think that did satisfy something for him. For at least the time being anyway. For that one day. For that one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I mean, when you would you go to with him to a lot of these contests? Like how often would you actually travel with him? Because I know I, I've seen you at most of the X Games – I think – I don't know if I ever missed an X Games unless I just had Riley. That's right. I just had had Riley. So – oh, I don't even think he was riding though now that I think of it. He might have just been announcing or host – whatever he was doing. Um, I don't think he rode because the last three years – I think he retired in 2013 or 14, somewhere around there from riding because – the three and four years before that, he was literally eight shoulder surgeries. I mean, he just came to this one point where this one, his worst, probably not his worst injury, but this one shoulder injury, he just couldn't. It took two years and really eight surgeries. So he was trying to ride. Um, but before then, I definitely went to every X Games, went to every party. We always brought like a nanny with us. You know, we would bring the kids or we would leave the kids home and I would go with him. Um, I don't know. And people that know him well also might kind of laugh at this a little bit, but you know, Rocky was his all time favorite movie. I think he actually like emulated his life after Rocky. And so as ridiculous as this sound, I almost felt like Adrian (laughs) to some degree, (laughs) you know, it was like, as long as, you know, if you watch the movie, obviously Adrian just tried to make things good for, so that Rocky could succeed. And I feel like you know, through our relationship, I kind of tried to do the same thing. Just always take the the position and do whatever I needed to do to kind of help him achieve his goals. And so I always felt like he was happy if I was there. Um, and so, yeah, I went to a lot of contests with him. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty awesome. So obviously at any point were you kind of wishing he would hang it up or were you like looking forward to the retirement? I'd have to assume that was kind of a bittersweet moment for both of you probably you know he so his mental game like I said when it came to doing physical things was big but he always said his only fear ever in life was having to retire from riding his bike because I think he just he was a you know it's kind of like you know you go to a dog track and these dogs chase this carrot and that's all they do and I think he felt similar like he had just chased this carrot his whole life and I think he really just did not know what he was going to do, what was going to fulfill him that much afterwards. So it was bittersweet because I think he knew, I mean, he knew it was time. And, um, but we did a lot to prepare for it too, because he knew it was coming. So literally five years in advance, I'd be like, you know what, let's, you know, really start talking about this. And actually one time we were on the Block Island Ferry and I brought a notebook and a pen and I'm like, let's just put down things that would interest you because we need to start making some sort of transition here for you to retire. I never once asked him to, I never once said, do you have to do that? Or like, why are you breaking this world record? What's the point? Uh, like I never, I never did because 
I never wanted to put one shred of doubt on his head because that's when he would get hurt. Like if he ever doubted himself or if he felt I doubted him, he'd get hurt. So I never, ever asked him to hang it up. I was happy and just as scared as him, though, when it came time. I'm, I'm sure. I think I remember when, uh, like, his last run on the mega ramp, you were – I think the cameras were on you almost just as much as they were on him because they were kind of like, what's Robin's outtake going to be when, on his, after his last run? Is she going to be stoked? Like, it's over. Like, <laughs> like – and sure enough, you were like, whew, you did this like, like, like wipe the sweat from your brow kind of, kind of thing. You're like, thank goodness. Like, well, he struggled. That's very true. I was like, thank God. I think I had a bottle of champagne in my backpack and two flutes. <laughs> I was like pouring the champagne instantly, like cheers. And I remember at that moment too, because he always was very difficult on himself. I remember hugging him and I'm like, stop. I'm almost going to cry, but I remember saying to him like, stop look around, look at this crowd. They're like standing up. Sorry. They're clapping for you. Like, enjoy this moment. This is your moment. You know, cause he never would take that second to just look around and appreciate that. And he did. And I remember him like holding up his, his helmet and I was like, just be proud of yourself. Like you're, and you're walking away on your terms, which was very important to him. But that kind of, but what he struggled with going into that contest, he didn't know if he should just go for it, like do a double no-handed flare or something ridiculous, even though he was totally all banged up. Like his shoulder wasn't great still. And like, but he, he was like, he struggled. Do I go out with a bang and like, just put it all on the line or do I play it safe? And I remember, you know, we talked about it till we were blue in the face. I was like, please, like you have to just play it safe. And so he did, but he didn't want to. I had to actually write on his, I wrote in Sharpie, on his gloves, right where, like, you know, right on the top of his hand, Shay, Kevin, Riley. And I was like, when you get up there and this crowd starts going and you get, you start getting like, you know, all pumped and like ready to go. Just, I know you have to look at your handlebars. You have to look down, just look at their names because you're doing this for them. And he literally did like a small backflip to like a, 10 foot backflip or something, you know, a 10 foot flare. And I think he did that all three runs and it, that was a struggle for him, but I'm sure it was. I mean, that was probably the only time in his entire career that he like had the, had the governor on a hundred percent. He probably was like, Oh shit. Like Robin's going to kill me if I don't do this. I'm pretty and sure I, I remember him have. actually saying that. Like if I try anything, Robin's going <laughs> to wring my neck. Totally. So he was right. I was like, does anybody have a Sharpie? Give me the Sharpie. I have those gloves still somewhere, but yeah. Oh yeah. I would have killed him. <laughs> if the ramp didn't, I would have. A hundred percent. Yes. Cause all, always too, like, because he was always gone and I was home like wrangling kids and you know, he would come home and it was the typical, like walk in the door, like, here's a baby, take this baby. And you know, he'd have, he had like his hip replaced and he'd had all kinds of stuff. And I literally had no sense. I had, I literally had no empathy for it, which is so terrible. But I'd be like, oh, are you okay? Like the next day, I remember actually being mad because I'm like, I know you can't walk, but like, can you try? Like, I, <laughs> I literally need you to go get the baby out of the crib. Like, I, I've been doing this for months. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, like hobbling on a, on a brand new hip to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just think of it as therapy. You go, you go yes. pick up the baby, walk up the stairs, get the baby. I'm like, I'm really sorry that like your shoulders are broken right now, but that baby needs a new diaper. Like you gotta have to go fi- figure something out on how to do this one handed. <laughs> you got this. You got yeah. this. So how was that transition? Because I know that's that's something that a lot of athletes struggle with is the the retiring thing. I mean, I know in mainstream sports, uh, they might not necessarily even be able to retire on their own on the way they want to, on their terms. Some people are let go from the team or whatever. They're just not able to cut the mustard or hold up to what their team or coaches want. So Kevin being able to go out on his terms, that had to have been huge. But I'm sure, I mean, he didn't walk away. He still rode bikes. Like It's, it's not like he stopped riding bikes as soon as that was over. He was still able to ride. He just retired from competition. And, I mean, I'm sure that that had to have been some sort of – I mean, I know we said – bittersweet a little bit ago with the whole retiring thing but was that a challenge uh the whole uh just retiring thing it was but thankfully we took the right steps and um you know three to five years earlier when we were on the black island ferry and i asked him you know we just were brainstorming let's put some ideas down on paper we had three or four different ideas you know start the k-rob foundation which, you know, wasn't something that was going to be a paycheck, but it was something that would be fulfilling to him to be able to help. He absolutely loved the city he grew up in, East Providence. It was so important to him to be able to do something, anything he could to kind of give back to that community. And it was my, you know, my, where I was born too. So that was a natural thing. We just, we just thought that that would be awesome. He was inspired by Junior Seau's foundation and had worked with them worked with him just doing a ton for kids out in San Diego and it just made so that was just one of the ideas we put down on paper um another one was to do he was originally working with his buddy at the time Chris Poulos doing school shows and they started doing things together which was great for him and he they ended up branching out and doing you know Chris had been doing that for years but um you know Kevin ended up kind of branching off and started doing that so that kept him on his bike um and still I think he needed the like go, 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 go type of lifestyle. I don't think he ever could have just like sat around, turned on the TV, sat and had a cup of coffee and have that kind of retired life. So, you know, doing school shows really kept him super busy. So I did all of those bookings. So we worked really well together doing that stuff. Um, We also started the patented clothing line at the time. And we, um, well, you built Impact. So we opened Impact at the time too. So we had enough to keep him busy and a lot going on we had and a new baby so we we had so much going on at that time and so i think it was enough to keep him fulfilled and i think obviously like any athlete you know you have to worry about where your next paycheck is going to come from and he was fortunate throughout his career i think he hit and he would say this i just happened to hit this career at the right time where there are sponsors that are paying there's money to be made. There's contest money. There's so thankfully, and we always lived in my opinion below our means. So it took some pressure off of him. Um, at least he wasn't out totally searching like where am I, how am I going to pay my mortgage next month? Um, you know, obviously that's always a concern, but it took a little bit of pressure off. We had downsized so much. We live in this teeny tiny little house right now, which we was part of the retirement plan. Um, we did that because we never really cared about, like, you know, 
the material, more material things. And obviously at times I, <laughs> I'll spend money all day long and I'm going and have <laughs> massages all the time but like, <laughs> and him too. But, you know, part of the plan was downsizing our house so that it was, we planned and, you know, ironically, like what ultimately ended up happening with Kevin, r- this plan really paid off. And because we thought if he ever gets hurt and he can't, you know, and he's not going to be able to, you know, earn by riding his bike, I need to be able to support us. And again, ironically, life had ended up having that plan for us. So, um, so yeah, he, he was good for those few years. He, he started to, I, it didn't get totally easier in time. Right. Right. It, there was, there was always something, there was always some sort of struggle or challenge, a new challenge, I guess. Um, but did, I mean, obviously he, and I, and I know him pretty well, but obviously you know him the best, but uh, you could, you could see sometimes he, he definitely missed it, but he was able to fill those voids with the announcing and, and like commentating on TV and the shows and, and going for the world record backflip and, and that kind of stuff. So there was enough to keep him going, but it was just different. Just not being the, the rock star that he used yeah. to be. Yeah, and I think as much as he would say, and he, you know, like any husband and wife do, we obviously would fight sometimes or whatever, have disagreements. And, you know, sometimes the fight would be like, oh, my God, like, you're so used to getting so much attention that, like, if you just can't come home and I'm not giving you that kind of attention, like, you don't know how, like, your whole life you basically have grown up where, like, everybody's kind of praising you all the time or, like, or making your plans for you or setting up your appointments or, you know, this is where you need to be and this is what you need to do. Uh, I think, I think he struggled with that for sure. The, the, um, and what I was going to say is he, he thought that in his mind, he was the last person that needed attention, which wasn't the case when you, you know, like seeing just how his life operated it was very attention centric, um, which isn't a bad thing. I'm just, you know, that's just how his life was. So there was a struggle there. There was definitely a struggle there. And I don't think he even knew it, but I do think that retiring from any sport is a challenge. And I think that we probably got away from that probably very unscathed. Although I think, it, you know, it was it. There were some obvious signs that it was a challenge. Yeah, I can I can see that. But on the positive th- uh, side, and I know you you sp- talked about this a little bit ago. One of the things that is kind of something that you're trying to bring back is the clothing line that you were talking about. And you were actually, I know we were kind of talking a little bit about that. But um, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the uh, the grinds pad company, which I feel is awesome because it's such a huge thing and it could be such a huge thing still because you're trying to bring it back that's maybe not a legacy but i think that's it's a great thing that he was able to start before passing and then you're trying to keep the torch going i guess as it were even though and even though you don't have the bike riding background but you do still like it's just you guys were both the, the full package so you're just kind of continuing on with what you guys both started. And I think this could be a great thing for, for the future. But why don't you tell me a little bit about, I guess, the, the struggles of even getting the Grinds clothing line going? Yeah. So we started this back in 2011. Um, and at, the, at that time, we also, I 
haphazardly like wrote a patent application and you know set six or seven years later we were granted a patent that is garments with hidden protective padding so you know this whole idea just kind of came about because little kev started riding his bike and he was maybe three or four years old at the time five and he always wore this one pair of jeans with a skull on it and so we would always say like you know go get you're gonna go to woodward with daddy like go get your riding jeans on and then go get your pads and one day we were standing in the kitchen. We're like, wouldn't it be so awesome if these riding jeans just had the pads already built in them? And it was one of those moments where we're like, wait, nobody's ever done that before. Did some research. No one had ever done that before. So ultimately, you know, you know, through all the years of, of everything, you know, it was, I just feel that action sports as a, as a mom now and as a wife for all those years, Anybody that ever had a question for me, the number one question always was like, oh my God, are you going to let your son do this? And I'm like, of course I'm going to let my son do this. First of all, like as, as long as he's wearing the proper like safety gear and his helmet and he's got, he's padded up, which he hates wearing his pads, but, um, you know, as long as he's padded up, like I wouldn't let my kid go play football without pads on. So I feel this industry gets a really bad reputation for being too high risk. And a lot of parents are like, oh, I would never let my kid do that. I would never let my kid skate or, you know, ride bikes or do tricks or anything. But I feel it's just because kids don't want to look like the big dork at the skate park whose mother is like sitting there. Okay, like make sure you got your pads on, like make sure you put your helmet on. They show up at a skate park and everybody looks cool. So what ends up happening is they decide that they they're not going to they're going to go play some other sport so i think what we've always thought so if we made clothes that had that looked super cool but had like a low profile hidden padding in you know all the fall zones uh that maybe it would also help like keep action sports you know kids like really wanting to because they wouldn't feel like they stood out like a sore thumb they would just fit right in so um we started that back in 2011 and it really kind of took off like wildfire we had interest at that time from Walmart, from Toys R Us. We were at Interbike. We got, uh, we were awarded most innovative product of the year at Interbike. Um, we, I mean, within the first six months, we had orders from Target. At the time, Amazon ordered stuff from you. They kept they they warehoused. I don't know what they do now, but um, they had a huge order from us. We had um, had grinds in the pro shops at Woodward. Um, just we we really took things took off. Simultaneously, we had the skate park builds and the K-Rob Foundation. We were overwhelmed. And unfortunately, I wish that I'd given a little bit more attention to grinds, but we were just so spread thin. (laughs) The funny part is every single thing we wrote down on the Black Island Ferry all happened. We were like, crap, we didn't know everything was actually going to (laughs) work. Like, these were just supposed to be ideas of things we could do. And the four ideas that we came up with, they all took off. And so it was awesome, but it was exhausting. Um. A little bittersweet with that. A as little well, bittersweet, sure. yeah. We didn't have the time to really devote to any one thing. We were running around like crazy. Um, but anyway, so grinds, you know, we had some ups and downs and learned a lot and failed a lot. And over the time, we were awarded the patent, and then we had to buy out a partner at the time. And you know, things we we partnered with Strider. We were doing like a collaborative um, product with them, Strider Grinds Juniors for kids and. The old partner really, it just kind of, it fizzled. Things really just kind of came to a screeching halt, which was very unfortunate. Um, but it was okay. We kind of backburnered that. We're like, the patent still exists, so we don't have to do this, like, you know, right this minute. That can take a back seat. We hired a new designer. We slowly got back to work, like, redesigning the product. 
ended up, you know, uh, resurrecting the relationship with Strider. Um, and then we, so I think I had told you yesterday at the same time, also we met up with this manufacturing licensing company in New York, Lee and Fung, which they're awesome and developed a relationship with them, had been working with them for a couple of years. We went down to meet with a buyer at Walmart and, you know, things were going really in an awesome direction. Walmart was interested. We were like, you know, designing our, our point of purchase displays and like really getting ready. At the same time, the woman we were working with in Audi, New York also had set up a deal where we were, Kevin and I were going to be on QVC and the home shopping network and Things were really just on the complete verge of really exploding. They they were going to change the name and do more of like a full lifestyle brand. Um, they were going to change it to the K Rob Three Hundred and Sixty because then we figured we could do all these other businesses could be like a branch from that umbrella, like an umbrella that kind house, of an umbrella. all these different eyes. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time things were really um, doing well, and then uh, this was. The la- I just looked yesterday or the day before, just the last communication I had with the company out of New York was the very beginning of December 2017. And we were literally just, I mean, so on the verge of things just exploding and then Kevin passed away. So for the past couple of years, you know, I haven't, I tried to go back to work and, you know, it's you know, it's, it's an, it's own interesting challenge to obviously parent alone when you don't expect that. Um, you know, kids are busy and they, they're, they have their own set of emotions and their own set of needs as do I. Um, so I tried to go back for, back to work and I literally just couldn't make it all. I just couldn't get it all to work out. So I'm like, you know what, fortunately, you know, we had downsized and, um, I was able to manage everything as it's, as everything was. And so I, I took a couple of years off. I'm still not working. And just recently I just had like a new, I was backpacking last weekend in, in the Adirondacks and, you know, walking 15 miles or whatever. And as I'm walking, I was, you know, just kind of sharing the story. And I just felt all of a sudden, like, I can't let this slip away. Like I can't, this, this business has so much potential and, I've got to get this going again. So Monday morning, I made myself a list and I started making some calls Monday afternoon and I already have so much interested, so much interest and people are pretty excited. I think I see, I see that this has some real, um, opportunity. That's exciting. That's really awesome. Cause I know it was an awesome thing when you guys started it before. So now I'm really excited to see what you do with it now that you can literally concentrate all of your time. Well, I know outside of Riley, <laughs> you might not be able to concentrate all your time, but a good amount of time when he's at day camp, you can concentrate. Thank God hours. for day camp. <laughs> Thank God for day camp. <laughs> but I'm really excited to see what you do with it because it could be something very special. And like you said, there's not really anything like that. So uh, I think that could be a game changer. And I, I hope it's as well received with kids as I think it should be if you're doing these kind of sports, but it can go, it can go all in any kind of different directions. It can go yeah. like construction, where where I was like, oh dang, I kind of want a pair of those pants because I'm kneeling down on all the time and cutting wood and all that, and I'm just like, dang, there's a lot of applications for this. It's, there a, great, are. it's a great thing. Yeah, I'm hoping to you know expand. Obviously, the action sports industry isn't huge, and I know that. Um, you know, this is just not a and. 
you know, in bike riding, I also know there's not a ton of money and, you know, it's just kind of a, it's such a love of that sport that, you know, you don't really need any, any of the extra bells and whistles and things like that. But kids and parents, you know, if you're not a, I don't want to say a real bike rider, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, if you're not, you know, building ramps in your yard so you could, your kids can ride. If you're not literally only all you care about is riding your bike. And parents are thinking, oh, this would be fun to, you know, have my kid get involved in riding bikes or skating or whatever. It's perfect. Right. It's perfect. Yeah. And I always thought that was kind of a, a cheap a cheap shot when pe- when parents, like you were saying a little bit ago, parents would ask you, how do you let your kid – how are you going to let your oh, kids yeah. ride? I think I think that's a cheap shot because if their kids showed any interest in skateboarding or bike riding, they would 100% let them. They wouldn't say, no, you're not exactly. riding. It's not – so it's easy to say – yeah, I, there's no way oh, yeah. I would let them. It's just like they're not interested. That's why you can say that. Right. Like I can say there's no way I'm going to let my kids play video games. But <laughs> right. once they discover a video game. Oh, yeah. Fortnite uh, or Minecraft or – yes. So it's it's just a different world. That's where kids are at right now. Yeah. And it's just – obviously you have to do your best. I mean it's just – parenting is like – it's like a game. It's you just – no, there's no – there might be a lot of books about it, but there's no rule book. It's you, just you, a giant strategy of how to avoid landmines. Like that's pretty much all. <laughs> if you can manage to avoid landmines to like get to some sort right. of never-ending finish line, that's basically how, how it is. And every you know everybody has has their own. Each kid has their own unique set of needs and schedules and agendas and feelings and oh, it's it's. It's, it's real. That's real it's life. It's real. It's the game it of is. risk in real life. You're just <laughs> you're is. trying to conquer the house. And, yes. <laughs> and you have all these little countries that are running around trying yes. to invade. Totally. And- <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I am very similar to Big Kevin in that I prefer to like overcomplicate my life too. So he and I were very similar in that it's like, okay, well, we're not doing enough. We're not quite stressed out enough. Let's just add more stress so that we can be more stressed out. Like, we both kind of operate. You know, like just feed us more coffee and give us more stress, and then we're good for a little while until we need more stress. Let's throw a <laughs> wrench in the gears so we yes. can figure out how to get this wrench out of the gears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give, us something to do. Yeah. give us something to do. Exactly. <laughs> but back to grinds for a sec. I'm so excited now. I think everything, you know, what I learned from Kevin. And what I learned about retirement and and seeing some of these other guys, like, that's scary, you know, and maybe they didn't have the proper plans in place or maybe they got hurt prematurely and had to end their careers. I'm scared for that for little Kev already at 14 years old because I've seen this full life cycle now. And so I also feel like getting grinds back up and running is so that this can be kept juniors thing. And, you know, if Shay wants a piece of it and wants to help run things and the same with Riley, but I just think little Kev is so much like his dad mentally that I need to get something going now so that he can ride his bike. But also when the time comes, he has something to fall back on. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, I, I, I know that Kev is, uh, I mean, just seeing that he's, 14 or 15 now and I'm just like wow you do I do see a lot because I've I've ridden with him a pretty decent amount he's come up with uh with us a, a couple times when we were doing the uh, like Kevin and I were doing the um I think there's something going on with my microphone but uh but yeah the, he came and rode with us a few times when we were doing the Highland long jump contest or not practice, contest, but the practice. 
and you could see the strive. You could see him watching his dad and like soaking it all up. But uh, but yeah, you could you could see it him soaking it up, and you're just I, it's not going to be long before he's got a mind of his own. He kind of takes what you're teaching him and, yeah. and just runs with it in whatever direction he wants to go in. Yeah, I just hope I'm setting it up right. And I, you know, obviously he's his own person, and he's got such a solid head on his shoulders. He's very smart. He's very. Um, you know, he's a really good kid. He's, like, super compassionate for people, except for his brother. Um, <laughs> like, super sensitive, very emotional and empathetic and kind and nice and fun and funny. And right. He's – and I'm going to also say something about Shay and Riley just in case they hear this and they don't think that I'm just only favoring one kid. My other two are They're great, also too. Awesome. <laughs> And love you, noted. Shay. Love you, Riley. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even like you're saying, Highland, like Kev's now, he's mount, he's like full blown into mountain biking too. And right. you know, he's just if it has two wheels, like like any of you guys, if it has two wheels, that's what he wants to. Do. That's where he's at. Yeah. No, I mean, he he definitely has a passion. It just might be a a different direction than his dad went with it, but. Uh, I mean, he's out there. He's he's doing his thing. He's making a name for himself, even though I know you said uh, it's not the easiest thing for him to be almost like he feels like he might be in the shadow a little bit of his mm -hmm. dad, which is something that he's going to have to overcome, I guess. But he's definitely making a name for himself. And just because his dad had the same name, it's probably going to be a little bit of a struggle. But he's he's doing it. He's, he's making it happen. Yeah, I think sometimes he feels that there are just uh, like and it's not. I don't think true at all, but I think that he thinks that, you know, people expect something from him, not f from him, but they expect a certain level of riding or, you know, expect that he's going to be, you know, really, really good. And, you know, he's still a 14 year old kid that's just loves riding his bike and learning um, and doing awesome. Like you're saying, like he's doing a great job, but I think he feels very in a sh in the shadow of his dad and, um, he is definitely navigating that. Yeah. He's do he seems to be doing a great job though so far. But uh I mean I know you guys are all kind of rock stars. Uh that's that's not easy for, for any family to kind of lose a member. So that's that's that must have been the most devastating thing for, for them as a ki as kids and obviously yourself as as uh as well. But I know one thing that you mentioned before we even started this that you wanted to talk about is um, potentially like a lot of people have questions and I, I know that you said you kind of wanted to use this as a, not necessarily a question and answer kind of thing, but just to maybe, uh, shed some light on some things that were tough and, and struggles and difficulties, but where you guys are at now and, and all that. So I, if, if there's anything that you wanted to say, or I know you had a couple things that you wanted to say, um, if you want no. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, before Kevin passed away, he was, you know, he always, uh, I mean, obviously you guys hit your heads a lot, a lot. Um, you know, to say to somebody that's not in this industry, like, oh yeah, no, I've seen my husband knocked unconscious, you know, 15 times. They'd think I was lying. Like right. they would truly think I was lying. Um, you know, to, to see, um, you know, just to see some of the ways that you guys hit your head is very, it's scary, but unfortunately also super normal. Um, and you know, whether it's a small one or a complete knockout, like it's, it's 
dangerous and it's real. And, you know, his, you know, I know something that he, re- he was working with this team of like these two research doc PhD, um, out of, I guess out of somewhere in Montana. Um, and he was doing like some brain studies at that time. Like, you know, he, they, they flew here and they set him up with this like, um, uh, VR, like a virtual reality thing. Right. It was like, it was basically like daily brain challenges that were, um, that they were tracking remotely and just kind of monitoring like his brain activity because he, I think was worried himself, you know, and he was worried that his, his head injuries, you know, were going to, he would always say like, he didn't think he was going to live a long life. And he always said that because he thought like his head injuries were going to get the best of him. And I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't notice changes in him. You know, it's gradual and he's right in front of my face. So like you don't notice it as much, but I now have the, had, you know, two and a half years to reflect on things. And I, I look back now and I'm like, you know, he was, he was worried and he was nervous. And I think there were some changes in, in his personality over time. And, um, I will say his neuro, like anytime he went to a neurologist and had any sort of scans and studies, it always came back where they were like, we're shocked, but looks pretty good. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, from what they could tell at that time, but, um, I know he wanted to really spread that and, you know, his life got cut short, but I think he wanted to really like make sure that everybody was doing their best to like protect their brains and to really give yourself the time to heal after a head injury and easier said than done. But, um, you know, he didn't even do it himself. Like he would tell everybody that they needed to do it. And then I'd be do like, what but, say, not as yeah. I do. and I'd be like, Oh, you just hit your head yesterday. Yeah, but I'm fine. I'm like, okay. Um, you know, ultimately I kind of have, I will say I've kind of blocked a, like a period of time, like around him passing away. And I really haven't like reopened that vault as far as like reading through medical records and blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously they think that ultimately what happened with Kevin was related to years of injuries, you know, to his brain. Um, I never had that tested after, um, because I just assumed I just, you know, I, I, I think that there are so many people that are like, you know, did he have CTE? Did, you know, people have asked me this and I feel people have been incredibly respectful of me as, you know, in the position I'm in now and they haven't wanted to ask me. And that's why I said this to you. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to talk about things too in depth because it, you know, kind of triggers me, but, um, you know, I think that it's, it's a real injury to your brain and, I think that's why I think, you know, he would want people to make sure that they're doing their best to really just rest when you need to rest and take that time. Bike's always going to be there. And I think that, you know, when left on your, you know, not governed by like an NFL or like an NBA or you guys have no governing league, you're you're governing yourselves a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy how just in the past couple, I mean, somewhat recently, I want to say couple years 10 years whatever the the brain injury thing is really starting to become more of a real thing for a lot of people they they just took it for granted i guess like the football and all that all that stuff the the cte thing is really it's real and i think a lot of people are just taking it for not for granted but it's just crazy how just recently like in the grand scheme of things people are taking it more seriously 
Totally. And obviously, anytime you talk about brain injury or you bring up CTE, I mean, I've had people ask me since Kevin's passed away, like, oh, have you ever heard of CTE? And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, um, yeah, like I lost my husband. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, and again, just my disclaimer, I did not have Kevin. I didn't have anything tested on him after he passed away. In my mind, it was... I just assume he probably did have right. CTE. That's just my assumption because I didn't want to know. I didn't want, uh, I guess, another thing. I also didn't want, and I didn't want like your industry to know either. Right. Honestly, I felt like like a protection almost over your industry because I felt like it's so prevalent to talk about, and you know, I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like whoever Kevin was friends with, like everybody was scared. Everybody's a little scared, like maybe more so now, like you're saying, than they were 10 years ago because it's so, it's in the media. Everybody's talking about it. I kind of thought like if I had said, okay, yep, had, had Kevin's brain tested and yep, came back positive. I didn't want that to almost be like one more thing that like was an adversity to your sport. Right. Because I really and truly thought people would be like, oh, God. Like, so I just didn't. Because, again, I just thought, you know, I, I just didn't want it to be one more thing, really. Right. I mean, I, I think what kind of, not that it was any less real, but it made it, it solidified it as this is a real thing because it was so close to Dave's passing as well. And that was just an, like a huge eye opener for a lot of people. Like, oh, dang. We've. <laughs> We've had entire careers of knocking ourselves out, oh, yeah. which some people, I mean, I wouldn't say anyone would ever brag about how many times they've been knocked out, but it's almost, it's almost like that proverbial, proverbial p- pissing match of just like, oh, oh I've yeah. gotten knocked out 20, 30, 40 yeah. times. And it's just like, there's no way that's real. And it's, it's real. It's real. Oh, it's very real. Like in this sport, this, this is a brutal sport. Mm-hmm. And even, uh, one thing people are kind of learning about is just, uh, micro uh, i guess micro concussions as opposed to one big concussion yeah you can get lots of micro- like a football player like it's like the player. tap tap right, tap, tap, right. tap where you guys are like bang you know probably just not the mini taps like you're saying like right. a football player well even uh kelly my wife she does a uh, cranial sacral oh, so yeah. she's very very familiar with brain injuries and and things like that working with working working with athletes and and just how to overcome it and and work through it um, and she says, even when you land on a bike, you pull the trick, oh, yeah. just landing, just landing abruptly, an air, a jump, whatever. Oh, God, Those yeah. are all little, little micro concussions. And like landing low and you guys get whiplash all the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's, jarring. it's brutal. It is, it is jarring. So it's, it's definitely a serious thing that we need to, I kind of be a little bit more, um, how do you avoid it? I mean, how do, how do you, you avoid, avoid it? it? How do you avoid it? You... I think the only thing you can do is you can't avoid it. You can just give yourself the rest and not, right. you know, not stack concussion on concussion. You know, I right. think that's like all, you know, give it the time to heal. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, NFL gets so much, you know, talk about, CTE and brain injuries and, you know, um, you guys really just kind of fly under the radar for the most part. And there's a lot of attention paid to obviously bigger, more mainstream sports, but you guys are dealing with this as well. 
Oh, for sure. And there's, I mean, there's a lots of sports that kind of deal with the same thing too, but, um, it's, it's not something that we need to forget about anytime. We need to continue going down this path of everyone wearing helmets. Helmets are so important. And that's one of the things when I do school shows and stuff, it doesn't matter if it's for a fair festival, if it's supposed to be only fun. I always talk about importance of wearing helmets and things like that. So, but it is real. It is real. But, uh, um, is there anything else that you wanted to say about about any of that before we no, move on? Or? No, I think I'm glad to have been able to talk a little bit about that um, just to kind of share uh, share that because, I, again, I think there are a lot of questions. Again, and I, I just want to thank people for being so respectful. I appreciate that. Uh, and also, again, I just want everybody to know we're good. Like we're – you guys We're are good coming. over here. Right. Yeah. 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 You, guys, you guys are doing, I mean, look at this. She shed. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. She shed. You guys are killing it. <laughs> yes. We're doing okay. <laughs> no. Uh, so, all right. How about we uh, try our best to bring things back to a, a positive fun, fun yes. thing. Good. So I know we talked about, we wanted to, uh, I, you know, I'm a story guy. We we just love telling yes. stories. <laughs> so I want to see if before we finish this up, I want to see I want to see if I can pull one more great story out of you guys okay. from or out of you from from from, from your adventures traveling the world wherever it may have been. If it's, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be bike bike riding. It could be just anything. But I know you guys have a lot of uh, fun stories uh, traveling with uh, Tony and Travis and Sean and all these all these. Yeah. I mean, one really hilarious thing is one time we're at, um, (laughs) again, we live in like this small house and this like small community in Rhode Island, super basic people. And, um, you know, he just so happened to have a cool job. So we, you know, he, he would always get invited to do really cool things. And one time we were at winter X games, it was sponsored by target and Red Bull at the time. And target got every winter, they would just get this like house that was like off the charts, huge house. And we'd be there with the other target athletes. You know, there would be like six of us staying there. And I mean, these houses were crazy. Did you ever come to one? I don't think no. so. Because they would have parties every night. And I went know, to the summer X Games parties, but I never went oh, to a yeah, winter X Games party. Too. Yeah, winter X Games parties were pretty fun. And I remember one night uh, going back to my room because I was just ready for bed at that time. And there was like this guy standing in front of the room, like security looking and I'm like I'm just trying to get in there and he's like no I can't get in here and I'm like well this is my room like I just trying to get in the room and Kevin like I'm like go back to Kevin I'm like I can't like I can't get in our room and we go up and the guy's like what's your name sir I'm like I have a security guard guarding my bedroom this is insane (laughs) he's keeping you out of your bedroom that's probably the exact opposite of what a security guard is supposed to be doing he's keeping your room safe from from you yeah but we would have so much fun obviously anywhere and everywhere we went and I wish I could think of some fun stories right now because I feel like last night they were just flying freely we had a blast we had a blast <laughs> it was just reminiscing all night it was, we had a great time but uh I, I just I just thought it's it's always fun to kind of put the pressure on just like I all know. right what's your story what's your what's your go-to bar story right now but uh but sometimes it's easier easier said like when we're not <laughs> under the pressure, pressure of, on. the pressure's on I hit yeah. record already See, little Kev's not the only one under pressure um <laughs> I have stories to tell. <laughs> I know. Gosh, and storytelling is usually my best thing, but uh, I literally I got nothing. Oh, I'll probably fun. call you when, right after you leave, and that's I'll be perfect. like, wait, can I add this? Can but I add this? I really I don't have anything. No problem. Well, either way, thank you for doing this with me. That was a lot yeah. of fun uh, just hearing some of the old stories and, and talking to you a little bit. So uh, 
Yeah. Thanks thank again. You. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so, so much. And one more time, grinds. When are people going to be able to start kind of looking into soon. this? Um, you know, our website's under construction. This is all so, you know, just so new. Um, just, you know, follow. I guess we're, we have the grinds. Uh, I think it's probably Grinds Jr. on Facebook. I think it's Grinds by K Rob on Instagram. Like, Obviously, I have some cleaning up to do of everything, <laughs> but um, if you're friends with me on Facebook or Instagram, um, you know, Robin Adams Robinson, I will definitely be, you know, announcing things as they unfold. So Beautiful. I appreciate your support, everyone. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys very much. And uh, again, I'm your host, John Saxton. And if for some reason you want to reach out, uh, just Instagram, John M. Saxton. But otherwise, we appreciate you guys for tuning into another episode of the podcast. You keep listening. We'll keep cranking them out. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Sticks, the new kid's play toy, brought to you by Trees and the Woods.